Football is back and in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code FIGHTDISCIPLES to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FIGHTDISCIPLES. The crown is yours. This, 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 Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 792, where the Fight Disciples, this is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. Before we get stuck in, we don't want you to make this your first and last, all right? We want a relationship. Don't just use us when you want to use us. Use us every single week, all right? Come on. Uh, you can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Loads of different audio feeds there. Hit the button, subscribe. You'll get a little notification. Oh, the lads have recorded something, have they? Right, go on then. I'll have a little bit of a tune in. Uh, or you can do it via YouTube. So if you prefer to watch what we're doing um, and where you can see new hoodies that Nick has decided to have made and not send my way, there you go. Uh, you could do it via YouTube. So Fight Disciples on there, hit the subscribe button, interact with the show as well. Loads of different comment sections that you could get stuck into. Uh, and uh, uh, and we look forward to uh, taking you on our little tour next week when we're off to Abu Dhabi for UFC 294. There you go, you see, we'll get you closer to the action. That's, what we, that's the whole aim of what we're doing here to celebrate the fantastic athletes that we do get to cover. Top stuff. Um, can I start with a little bit of grassroots MMA? Hey, there we go. Let's talk about let's talk about the main man, the new man who owns the trousers in the cattle household. Let's talk about him, should we? And his new silverware. He's referred to himself as the as uh, uh, the big dog. Yeah, that's what he's referred to himself <laughs> as uh, this morning. As I've sent him off to school, he says, "Can I take my medal to school?" So you can do what you want, mate. You crack yeah, on, exactly. lad. Big dogs strutted up to the school playground today. Everybody's like, going, what's that? What's that? He says, stand back. Lethal weapons on display here. Stand back, kids. <laughs> Mega. Uh, no, uh, listen, a little bit of a highlight because <clears throat> and we do it every now and again when, for example, uh, through IMAF when you're covering all that type of stuff. Yesterday I spent uh, the afternoon in Cannock in the Midlands uh, for the English Open uh, kickboxing. Uh, my son's gym. Uh, were out there representing Jason Bird's Black Belt Academy from Manchester. They were down there representing, competing in all different age groups, weight categories um, for golds, silvers, bronzes, placements, all this type of stuff. Taking on other gyms all over the country, English Open, as I said. And it was my it was my lad's first ever proper tournament. He's been nagging for ages, mate. Absolutely on me. As you know, he's been on this kickboxing journey. He's been competing on the mats week in, week in, week out with all his pals and what have you. Uh, and he sees them go off to competition. He goes, I want to do it. I want to come back with belt. I want to come back with medal and I want to do all this thing. And I promised him, listen, when you get to brown belt and mm -hmm. I can see that you are capable and adequate 
a, a def- one defending yourself, defending first and yourself. Foremost, <laughs> yeah, and have the belief that you've got the attack system to be able to go and do what you need to do. Then I'll give it the okay, and if it's all right with your coaches, then we'll we'll, we'll do it. This has been booked in for two or three months. It's been in his diary. He says, I will have Brown Belt by this date. And the first tournament available after Brown Belt is that. <laughs> so I am booking it now. So we booked him in, got him sorted. Man, Should have seen him, mate, on the morning night. They've all got away in, haven't they? Old kids. He's stripping down. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I was, hey, don't have to strip down. It's not UFC, man. Just <laughs> yeah, he's got his best umbees on. <laughs> hey, he's got his best kecks on. He's got everything. And he goes, hey, this is what Paddy does. So I'm doing it. Come on, let me get my gear off. Keep this kit on your dick. So anyway, he gets on it. He gets on it. Weighs in at a whopping 31 kilograms. <laughs> mega. Fucking mega. Oh. So yeah, he was in novice, nine to twelve years of age. He's ten years of age, nine to twelve years of age, uh, under thirty-five kilo. So that's what that's what he ended up competing in. Uh, and he and he came away with a silver medal. He um, he, he had he, he was the only fighter in his category to not get a bye. Only fighter in his category to get a stoppage victory. Um, wow. And even though he had more fights than anybody else, he conceded the least amount of points than anybody else in the category as well. Oh. Mate, he was good. He was good, man. And it was a proud moment. What happened in the final? So, it, no, what happened was, there's a it's a, it's a round robin. So, okay. it's like, a, if you think Champions League, everybody's got to fight each other in the round robin. And it's a league yeah. table of how they determine what it is. So, yeah. in his first fight is when he got his stoppage. So, right. it, he's gone out. Stop the kid, and if you st- great decision from their corner because he was lighting the kid up, and the towels come in, so it's a stoppage, and it's an automatic. Then ten nil is what you get as as a point. Gotcha. System. But because he stopped the kid, and the kid then didn't want to continue with the rest of the competition, everybody else in the category got an automatic ten nil for the oh. fight that they would have had against, against that. that kid. Oh, right, okay, so that even the even it out then. But it was slightly unfair because they didn't have to have the fight. So yeah, everybody yeah. else for uh, one less than my last. Um, and the fight that determined gold or silver was my lad fighting his, one of his best mates out the gym. They, they kind of bracketed against each other. And if you watch him when they're sparring, my boy will win one week. The other lad will win the week after. They're brilliant. They're very evenly matched. Yeah. And with four seconds to go, it's level in the fight. He goes for a big right hand. Fair play to the other kid. He sweared out the way and just clocked him on the way in and took a point with four seconds to four seconds to go. So that's how gold and silver was determined. Oh, uh, the, the, the match up together. So they both had the same amount of wins. They, they both did what they did, but because against each other, um my lad lost difference. He last point, he lost by a point. So he ended up with a silver medal, but he mate, he was it was a great experience for him, and he, oh, he, he loved it. And the rest of the kids in the gym, mate, there's some talent in there, man. It's it, I tell you what was nice from my point of view. So the 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids, a lot of them coached the the littler ones, smaller ones, right? Of course, and yeah, yeah. So they like t- my daughter's six, coming up to seven years of age. She's coached by some of them. We have personal one-on-one classes and all this type of stuff. But I very rarely get the opportunity to watch them spar against each other because they're either always coaching those classes. Yes. I tell you what, some of them buggers, mate. 
They are talented kids, 15, 16 years of age, head kicks, spinning tornadoes, all this bloody crazy mad stuff going on. There's a young girl who coaches my daughter. She called called Kaylee from the gym. Fucking hell, man. It's like something from a different dimension, some of the things that this kid can do. And obviously there's loads of... Anybody goes on my social media, every now and again, I'll flag up a couple of kids from the gym. There's a lad in there called Aidy Locke, brilliant talent. He's going to go on to great stuff. Lyle Stockley, another great talent. Um, uh, Jake Ridgway. And, mate, they're brilliant. There's a lot of good kids in the gym and they're all meddling, whether they're getting gold, silvers, bronzes or whatever. It was a good day out. So the good day out for all parents. I watched all that. And then... After Ted gets his silver, because he was he was one of the first ones on, after he gets his silver, he goes full Guardiola then, doesn't he? He thinks he's head coach. He started cornering people. He's fucking <laughs> 10 years of age, right? So head coach is there, a couple of other <laughs> uh, assistants. And like I said, those 16, 17-year-olds that do the uh-huh. coaching on the mats, yeah, they were taking... Because everybody's on different mats all over the thing. Of course. You can't be in one place at once. So every, Ted's like, don't worry, I'll corner him. 17-year-old in a... Mate, 17-year-old in a full contact 85-kilogram fucking fight going on over here. And there's a 10-year-old on... There's a 10-year-old on chair. Going, mate, what you need to do, what you need... need, Listen, you need to faint, then go. And I'm like, what is he doing? (laughs) Magnificent. I love it. Silver silver medal swinging round his neck. Still round his neck. Still round his neck. Still... All day, full kit, silver medal on, just sat up chair like this. <laughs> See, that's the problem now. You created a monster. So next time he watches oh, UFC, he'll be like, got to pick his hands up there. This yeah. is, you know, one-on-one now. you got to... Mate, that's brilliant. One, one, that's of the so t- one of the top lads, he won, I think he was in three different parts of competition. He fought men at one point and he ended up winning it too. So he's got three championship belts. Ted... Uh, as he was going for his third championship belt, Ted Rant runs over to me and he's having his, uh, having a drink and he goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm, cord- I'm cornering Eddie." I said, "You're not cornering Eddie, right?" There's no. He goes, "No, no, no, no." He wants me to corner him, so I'm laughing, right? And he goes, "What shall I tell him?" I said, "You think I'm going to tell him what he needs to do? <laughs> he's fucking three time world champion, mate. Just let him. Just tell him to just go on and do whatever he normally does." Just he's like, "Hold his drinks for him." <laughs> yeah. I said, "Just put his gum shield in his mouth and let him crack on." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, mega. Right. So if that was the English Championships, what is there a British Championships? Is there a yeah. Four Nations Championships? Yeah, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of kids out of the gym that have qualified for the world. So a couple of them are off to Canada in next oh, wow. uh, next month or so for uh, a tournament out there. Uh, and then there's I think there's a qualifier for another um, World Championships. That's somewhere in in the UK somewhere. Man. Yeah, man, it's good. The only thing is, and I feel for parents that, uh, and I'm sure there's loads of parents that are watching this that have their kids on a martial arts journey. It's fucking expensive, do mate. You know what I mean? Entering tournaments, sometimes when you, like Canada, for example, these kids that are going to Worlds, loads of fundraising, trying to raise the door for flights. Uh, there's no government hotels. money to pay for these. Mate, it's mad. The, the, the it's a shame. And, and, and talented kids miss out on opportunities just because they ain't got the funds to be able to go and do it. I know that there's a couple of kids in our gym. They just can't afford to go. Yeah. Uh, to compete at the top top level, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's martial arts in general, though, isn't it? Lack of funding, unfortunately. But oh, I'm good. He had it. I'm glad he had a good day. I've seen the pictures. He looked mega. No, that, silver, that that silver medal will be hanging around his neck right now in school. Guarantee. Sleep, slept in it last night. 
Of course he did. Of course he did. What a legend. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> anyway um, I needed that, to be fair, um, for my martial arts journey this weekend. Even though Bobby Green provided a little bit of something mm-hmm. for us, uh, and we got um, a great knockout from Drew Dober. I'll, I'll sing that praises. And, and Joe Pfeiffer uh, turned up in the UFC. We put our money in for Bellator, didn't we, pal? We, we did. said, come on, Bellator. This You've is where it's at. You've done it, Scotty boy. This is the one this week, the celebration, the 300 celebration. Uh, I can't wait for Bellator. <sighs> Do you know, like when you're blowing up a balloon, right, and you just let it go? And he goes, exactly. That was Bellator 300 from Thursday onwards. Mate, one after, every time I switched my social media on it, we're like, oh, for fuck's sake, what? They couldn't catch a break, could they? No. Couldn't catch a break. The minute that Linton... got to the point where I felt sorry for them, man. Yeah, it was a disaster. Let's be straight, it was a disaster. And then the fights that they actually have on, nine of the 16 go to decision. They're all a little bit... Listen, thank God for Leia. Thank God for Cyborg. You know what I mean? That's the talking point for me. Yeah. Uh, If this was was the the flagship Bellator 300 anniversary event, let's face it, the promotion to sell the company, because it is for sale, they're trying to offload it. There's a lot of talk of PFL involvement and everything else, but, you know... It hasn't even got a US TV deal. You know, what, what is Bellator actually worth these days? It's only probably worth the sum of its parts, but we understand that Paramount, who own Discovery, one out of the MMA business, one out. So it is going to be sold. But after watching that, and that's the flagship, and you go, mm, the price just bottomed out even more, didn't it? It was a really poor event. Um, and listen, losing the heavyweight title fight because Linton got... Linton got sick or whatever. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, McFarlane failing to make weight on the Friday, so your your third title fight off as well. Fuck's mm-hmm. sake, shit happens, but that's frustrating. But like coming into the event, I'm like, surely Chrissy Cyborg should be the main event. Yeah, man. With all due respect to Usman, I know it's Habib's cousin. I know he's this unbeaten lightweight, bit of a sensation. We talked about him on Thursday. We said mm-hmm. one day he's gonna come UFC because he's the guy. But he can also Dagestani grapple the shit out of anybody and is primed to do that and isn't necessarily a finishing machine. So you've got him basically ragdoll and Brent Primus for 25 minutes, which I could see coming a mile away. Uh Meanwhile, the actual girl who can carry the show, the actual person with with already a locked-in MMA legacy in the sport is in your co-main event doing Chrissy Cyborg things. Yeah, smashing people to bits in one round. Like, honestly, the lack of awareness of having Chris Cyborg. Do you think it was because it would, you know, and this sounds mad in, in the sport that's very much gender neutral in terms of opportunities. Do you think it was because Chris they wanted the male in the main event? I don't know. Why Why the fuck would you leave the, the Osman Nurmagomedov that... in the main event when Chris Cyborg's right there? The only way that I can comprehend it is that Chrissy is 38 now, isn't she? It, we're not going on forever. So are they trying yeah. to build... Well, they're obviously trying to build Usman Nurmagomedov's name to the extent where he's the poster guy, he's the thing that they're selling. Uh, you know, he's start Listen, the crowd booed. 
Facts. Exactly. You know what I mean? You've got five rounds of utter domination. We're talking about a lad that has not lost a round in 18 fights. Every single one of those rounds looks the same. Yes, okay, exactly. he, he does have very good hands and he does put that together with some sensational grappling. And he may even go on to be even more dominant and even better than his cousin, Khabib. Um, for me, he's, he's completely wasted in Bellator. Yeah. But I know why he's there, because there's not a cat in hell's chance ever that he's going to go and fight Islam Makhachev. Fighting at lightweight, they're basically just saying, right, you're going over there, you're going over there. Best mates aren't going to fight each other, are they? But there's still better, more competitive fights, more entertaining things for Usman uh, Nemegomedov to be doing in the UFC. There's a 155 is a great division, man. It would be a phenomenal addition. Mm-hmm. I think that they would waste it. If they if they kept him on this side, you're wasting him. You're completely yeah. wasting him because he's just too dominant. But you're right in what you're highlighting there from a Bellator point of view. Surely someone with a brain somewhere in that organization goes, right, fuck. Right, heavyweights were going to be the one, right? Because someone was getting knocked out and people are going to stick around for that. Great stuff, right? Okay, right. We've lost it. What's next? Right, well, let's put Usman there. Why are we putting Usman there? Think about it properly, because you've got to have your cherry on top of the cake. The thing, look Bingo. look at what we've just done. with the, Send with the, the people home happy. Exactly. What we've just done with the boxing show, right? Yes. Okay, certain, you can do as many great things matchmaking. You can put an event together, but your main event has got to be the thing that sends people off into the streets going, because they'll forget everything else. They'll forget everything. Else. Oh, fucking core main event. Yeah, that were a bit, whatever. But oof, yeah. did you see that main event? Cyborg is guaranteed. Look at the track record, man. She's guaranteed to deliver the whoa moment. And what did she do? She delivered the whoa moment. She then went nose to nose with Leah McCourt. Mm-hmm. And created another moment. That's what Cyborg does. She, she's been doing it for years, man. Like, like, like you say, somebody in that boardroom dropped the bollock because putting Usman Nurmagomedov kind of just then diluted what Cyborg did. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got about it. Because you're like, oh, no, fuck it. Shall we fuck off? Five minutes later. Yeah, well, he's going to do the same again in the next five minutes. Shall we, just, shall we get off? You forgot about it. You could have really bounced that crowd out of the arena. And they stuck around for Cyborg because she's a fan's favourite too. Exactly. Exactly. Always send the people home happy. I just think it was it's just poor promotion to not see this coming a mile away. Because mm. if we've seen it, everyone can see it. That's what Usman does. He just dominates people. That's not sexy. No. What Chris just Cyborg not- is sexy. That's what yeah. she does. She smashes people to bits. I just wanted to bring her up, actually, because I think I've been overly harsh on her in the past. Um, and I know that other people have as well. <clears throat> and and now that I take a step back and, and, and try and be a little bit uh, objective about it, there's a bit of Jose Aldo about attitudes towards Chrissy Cyborg. And what I'm referring to is Jose Aldo's whole phenomenal career seen for a long period of time with a certain fan base to be defined by 13 seconds against Conor McGregor, even though he's the best featherweight that has ever been. Maybe that's going to change in in the not-too-distant future with Volkanovski doing his thing. Uh, But right up there for the majority of people across all the organizations, most people would conclude that Jose Aldo's the guy at that particular weight. And okay, 13 seconds defined attitudes towards him. But then he came back, he won more, uh, and then obviously went down in weight, won more, 
and had a wonderful, wonderful Hall of Fame career. Cyborg's career has kind of been defined by a lot of people for 50-odd seconds with Amanda Nunes. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because if you look at what she has done to the point of Nunes, she was absolutely dominant across all the places that she was. Okay, the level of opponent isn't necessarily um, Amanda Nunes, but yeah. we've all concluded that Amanda Nunes is the greatest woman to have ever done it. So to fall short against that, is it that really a big shake? I don't think it is. And if you look at what's happened since, she's seven and all since Nunes. So I just wanted to pay a little bit of re- extra respect on Cyborg. Yes, she went in there. She's 38 years of age. She's dominated Kat Zingano. And she set up yet another fight, this time with uh, with Leah McCourt. But that performance against Amanda Nunes, although Nunes was sensational that night and it abso- she absolutely smashed Cyborg to bits, I think it's unfair to define the whole Cyborg legacy just on that 55 seconds because she's done so much for MMA and worldwide. Yes, she's, um, you know, she lost her professional debut. And then since then, she's gone 27 and one. She's got one loss in there. And she was at the very top of the sport. And the UFC brought in a featherweight division just for her because she does generate a lot of conversation. She's sweet as anything. She, you know, oh, wonderful woman. She looks Mate, terrifying. She all our stuff every now and again. Yeah. She's just into that. She's, she's a she, top, top woman. She looks terrifying. You know, you'd hate to be on the wrong side of her. But she gets the game. She understands the game. And she's been a superstar for this sport. And she continues to be a superstar. And you're right. Amanda Nunes is probably the quote. That's the only real loss. You know, I don't really judge you on her debut. That's the only real loss of her career was against the quote. And that was a great fight. They both just went for it. It was only the fact that Amanda Nunes did a Chris Cyborg on Chris Cyborg. Probably the only way she would have lost. Because she is so physically big, physically strong, physically powerful. You know, she's sweet. But inside the cage, she's a bully. And there's only one way to beat a bully. And that's having the, the tenacity and the strength of character to put it on her. And Amanda Nunes is the only person that's been able to do that in her career. Again, 28, a run of 28 fights. That says a lot about Chris Cyborg and her aggression and what she brings. She's a star. She's yeah. a superstar. That's why it baffles me she wasn't the main event. She does Chris Cyborg things. And... She's not long for the sport now. She said that herself. She, you know, you count on one hand the number of fights she's got left in her career, probably. But she continue for me, she's one of the biggest stars in Bellator. If not one the. of the biggest stars, if not the star. If not the yeah. And the fact that it wasn't the main event still rankles me. You're trying to sell this company, you're trying to sell it, and you've and you've you've buried it under a 25-minute. You know, one-sided snooze fest. It's just mental. Anyway, the performance was brilliant. Frank Trigg being the referee was brilliant. Ticking all these boxes. Fantastic in the journey of Cyborg. She continues to be utterly, utterly dominant. And, you know, what an amazing test and what an amazing opportunity now for Liam McCourt because she punched their ticket herself with the best win of her career on the undercard. And you've got to be delighted for Liam because we see how much work... Yeah. That she puts in in that gym uh, up in sticks. Obviously, she's a single mum just doing all this graft. I know that she's been out in America doing the graft for a period of time. We questioned why is she out there doing that. 
when they obviously just had that doubling card, she, it would have made sense for her to be on that. But now it all makes sense because exactly it was literally do what you need to do, win the fight. And that was a tough test for her at the weekend, man. Do what you do, win the fight, do it in an emphatic style, which she did. And you will be fighting uh, the winner of the title fight. And I'm delighted for it. That's a lifetime's work that has led to that particular point. Uh, and who knows, man? Who knows? You roll the dice, as you've just said. You go for it. You just might etch your name in history. It's a tough ask. Listen, no, it, nobody's nobody's going to lie about that. Of but course. Go for it. Mate, in this sport, anything can happen. Anything. And it's about taking the opportunity when the opportunity is there. Is she up against it? Yeah, man, she's fighting an icon. Chris Cyborg's a, a, a Brazilian fighting icon. She's done things for Brazilian women's sports that Leah could never eclipse. But you can take that a bit of that shine away. If you get it at the right time, if Chris, you get the cyborg at the right, someone's going to beat it at some, if she keeps fighting, eventually she will lose. And if Leah can get her in the right place at the right time, you've just got to go for it. She made a statement here, Leah McCall, for me. You know, she put she gets put in with uh, Sarah McMahon. Uh, Sarah McMahon, of course, who's been there at the UFC, been to the top table, come back. She's reborn on the Bellator. She's so utterly dominant. She's an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling. And for three minutes and 30 seconds, Leah's doing wrestling defense. She's got to keep this fucking girl off her. She's trying to stay on her feet. She's trying to let the... Trying not to allow the Olympic wrestler to ragdoll her everywhere. And for three and a half minutes, she successfully does that. And then, in a split second, she goes, by the way, I'm a black belt and judo bitch. <laughs> Flips her over, puts Sarah McMahon on her back, and then the tables are turned. Then Leah's like, right, okay, let's go. Feel some of Hell these heavy time. hands. And yeah. she just unloads some sick ground and pound. Absolutely brilliant. What a wonderful finish for her. She deserves everything that's coming her way. As you say, Leah makes serious sacrifices, man. Serious sacrifices. It must kill her being away from her baby as much as she's away from the baby. But she's doing it with the bigger picture in mind, creating a lifestyle for herself and her family into the future that will realize her potential hopefully guarantee her financial future and hopefully realize the ambitions that she's got. So I've got nothing but respect and love and admiration for Leah McCourt. And I tell you what, Leah McCourt, Captain, uh, Chrissy Cyborg, 2024, sign me the fuck up. Do it in Dublin. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. Do it in Dublin. And that's a main event. <laughs> yeah. That, w that won't flop. That'll be, that'll be decent. Uh, UFC. Back at the apex this weekend, just gone. Uh, the main event, <sighs> Bobby Green. Hey, I've got something for you on Bobby Green, right? 30, 33 second knockout, right? Uh, of Grant Dawson. Didn't see it coming. I'm going to be dead honest with you, mate. If you were asking me to Dawson. put a... hey, if you were asking me to put a tether down on the victor of this fight, I'd have gone with Grant Dawson. I think he's been brilliant. Uh, I thought he would have been able to navigate the hands of uh, uh, Bobby Green and get his uh, grappling game off. I was completely wrong. It was a weird shot that finished the fight. It came from a very square stance um, and a long left hand that just uh, clipped Grant Dawson, put him down in the ground and pound, obviously finished this off. But here's my question to you, my friend, right? Is Bobby Green becoming the new Jorge Masvidal? Yeah, what a year. 
What a fucking year he's had. What Twilight. is he? Three Twilight. Three and all for this year now, is he? Yeah. Twilight of his career. He's had some ups. He's had some downs. He's had some bumps. He's had some bruises. Getting in the main event. Upsetting in a non-title main event. Where's this going? Are we going to see a BMF for Bobby Green? What are we going to see this year? Because it just feels there's a bit of momentum. I'm not saying he's going to go on and become a world title challenger. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's that cult, he- that cult hero vibe, isn't it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Took out Tony Ferguson. Now you've took out a young up-and-coming prospect. What's going on, bro? He's becoming <clears throat> a bit of a Masvidal. He is becoming a Masvidal, and uh, he does it with a, a certain type of scrap packs kind of mentality and the swag. And I, I, I one hundred percent think he deserves everything coming his way. You know, kind of like Liam McCourt. I hope he does get a fight in December. He said, "I want to, I want to do a Masvidal. Give me four fights in a year. Let me get four fins, four wins in a year, and put myself in a position." This is an incredibly stacked division, of course. Lightweight is insane, but Dawson was ranked top ten. So Bobby Green just. Never beat the man, he smashed the man. So Bobby Green should absolutely be ranked in the top 10 come uh, come later today. So I hope he does get a big fight. Maybe even he gets added to that uh, big pay-per-view event headlined by Leon at the back end of the year. That will be, you know, a couple of weeks removed from the lightweight title fight, which is a week on Saturday, of course. I'm not saying, like you, I'm not saying Bobby Green's going to get accelerated. But there's a real storyline there. And with the right opponent in December, you know, he deserves somebody ranked above him in the top 10 next. He's in that kind of form. And he's Bobby Green. He sells. People bought into his journey. So, I, I, you know what? I wouldn't be against it at all. Get him out in December. Put him on that Vegas pay-per-view. Give him somebody in the top 10 at lightweight. And let's see how far this Bobby Green story goes. Because just like Masvidal, it's, kind of <coughs> it's a bit of an Indian summer, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Bobby Green ain't suddenly going to go for the next three years undefeated and become champion. No. There's a moment in time here where Bobby Green match it right. can't match do anything right. wrong. The right fight next. As you say, you know, they don't do it, but the BMF fighting for the BMF belt would make absolute sense because he is a bad motherfucker, Bobby Green. So it would yeah. make absolute sense. But listen, I thought he was outstanding. But then flip that back. Like in the build up, uh, you know, watch watch the media day. <clears throat> and Bobby Green was basically like, mate. You fought no one. You've never been in a proper fight. You're in a proper fight now. I'm going to actually punch you in the face and not you can do about it. And Dawson's like, mate, I've been in fights. I've been in fights. And then Bobby Green quickly switches to Southpaw. It's him with a... It wasn't even a wound up left hand. Mate, it, it was, was just kind of a boop. Yeah, it was like a boop. It was a shoulder punch. Boop. Yeah. The hips didn't come into a nothing. He just kind of went bang. And as soon as it hit Dawson, his reaction... He did react a little bit like someone that has never been, been punched face before. You know, when he, he goes down heavy and obviously Bobby jumps on him and and, 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 and bludgeons him, and that's the finish. But the um the, the, you know, the, even the ground and pound, it wasn't like Liam McCourt Sarah McMahon no smashing her head through the canvas kind of ground and pound. It wasn't the most lethal ground and pound. Grant Dawson made a conscious a, a conscious decision that I'm done. He checked it's himself out. I don't, I'm not saying he quit, but I'm saying he checked himself out. He could have fought on. He could have reacted in a different way. Whether he, you know, they say it's the shot you don't see coming that does the damage. Maybe Grant just literally did not see that straight left arm punch coming. 
and that's what shocked him. Or he's react. I, I don't know, man. But I was like, he didn't look like a top ten lightweight when Bobby Green hit him. He looked like a guy that did that, as Bobby Green said, ain't never been in a fight before. So that was quite alarming from Grant Dawson's position. I'm like, oof, mate, you you kind of shit yourself there when you got it. But yeah, for Bobby Green, it was mega. I'm just the calling Masvid, it like this, man. Grant Dawson looked rubbish. The Masvidal of 2023. Yeah. Bobby Green. Mega. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm check this in. out for another weird one. I don't know if you've seen this. Drew Dober, most divisional uh, wins via knockout. He has got the record in the UFC in uh, in lightweight. He was he was squared up with Dustin Poirier, wasn't he, uh, for a period of time. Got one at the weekend against Ricky Glenn. He's now out on his own. He's the guy with the most amount of knockout victories. Again, another mad little stat. When if you were to sit down and have a pub quiz, right? Who's got the most amount of uh, lightweight knockouts? You'd name all these lightweights before you got to Drew Dober, wouldn't you? Phenomenal! What a great achievement. Mega. And with his new baby. A cage side as well. One of the one of the lucky fifty inside the apex to uh, to see the fights. <clears throat> I like Drew Doberman. He's like yeah, a poster he's a boy. He's a poster boy for America. That, anyway, mate, I big, want that chin. His big jawline and all that. Fucking yeah. mega man. <laughs> <laughs> he is a proper stereotypical American. I love it. But uh, but yeah, listen. I, I, again, it's like Rick Glenn just looked like a big stiff dope. And and Drew Dober just battered him, and I was like, "Listen, Drew Dober's obviously can bang. He's obviously got a lot of power, man, because he, he's built like a brick shit house, of course." But I thought Ricky Glenn was there to be hit, so Drew Dober duly obliged. And then when he did hit him and drop him, and then he 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 starts wailing, wailing on him. I was like, "What's the referee waiting for? What the what is the re ref?" Fucking hell, does, does Rick Glenn owe you money, ref? Ref, fucking hell, lad. Stop it. He's going to knock, he's going to fucking render him unconscious any second. So that was a, uh, that was mental. Maybe, maybe the ref's a Dustin Poirier fan and didn't quite want Drew Dober to get that extra knockout. So he was giving Rick Glenn every opportunity, fucking hell, every opportunity to get his teeth knocked out. But yeah, mega. What did you make a job? What did you make a Joe Pfeiffer? Because we bigged him up last week, didn't we? The story of Joe Pfeiffer is tremendous. Uh, everybody knows about uh, Dana lending him a few quid to get himself straight off the back of uh, the contender series because he was sleeping in his car and all that type of stuff. Just a top dude, uh, wholesome story in the on for, outside the octagon. But every time he turns up, man, he turns up yeah. and he performs. Yeah. Like week after, well, I say week after week, time after time, he keeps he keeps getting these mad little victories and. Uh, Putting a little submission on uh, at the weekend and and getting the job done. The um, as soon as the fight started, because obviously on this card you had two guys, two former uh, former rivals in Al Hassan and Joaquin Buckley who fought before, and both had highlight reel finishes and whatever else. They're both flirting with middleweight and welterweight, and Buckley went back down. Was back down at welterweight now, and it's absolutely his right division. He got a a sensational win himself over uh, Alex Morono. But in this fight, it comes out, and I'm like, well, you ain't a middleweight, Mr. Hassan, because look how fucking big Joe Pfeiffer is. Pfeiffer's a big motherfucker, dude. He is a colossal middleweight. Shoulders. Oh, my God. He's got that swimmer physique, can he, man? Yeah. That's... Like a Dorito. <laughs> Tiny waist, massive <laughs> shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he just he just picked Al Hassan off. And Al Hassan's a very creative striker and a heavy hitter, but he couldn't get anywhere near 
uh, Joe Pfeiffer. He just, no. he just, let's be honest, Pfeiffer just battered them, didn't he? He battered them in the first round, was battering them in the second round. When he got close enough, he just picked them up and slammed them through the canvas uh, and then worked as choking. And uh, obviously, Mate, on paper, Al- that's a good win. Alassane's yeah. a good top fighter. That's a good win. Al Hassan's experience, it's a great win for, for Pfeiffer. Al Hassan now has to do what Joaquin Buckley's done and realize I ain't a middleweight. I'm going back down to 170. Pfeiffer rocks on forward. Um, but yeah, even, even that one, like the the referee, it, it was weird though, because he did tap with his fist, didn't he? It, it was like, was that a tap or is Al Hassan punch. punching Pfeiffer three times to the body? Because you just didn't know. And obviously the referee didn't know, but it, obviously it was a tap. But you don't tap with a a clenched fist because it didn't look like a tap. So obviously uh, Al Hassan gets put to sleep because the referee's standing there going, "Was that was that a body a shitty body shot or, or should I was that a tap? You know what I mean? Boop, boop, boop. Uh, what was that? What was that? Everyone? He's asleep. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, oh, oh, it was a tap. Yeah, it was exactly, a tap. Yeah. Don't tap with a clenched fist, kids. Uh, any other highlights from the Apex for you? For me, there were the three. Pfeiffer, Bobby Green and Drew Dober. Yeah, um, I thought Bill Algio looked pretty good. Mate, that uh, fight was decent, actually. The one that kicked yeah. off the main card, was a, that was a decent fight, yeah. Yeah, against Alexander Hernandez. They, they were quite well. Weird eye pokes, mate. Them thumbs. Yeah. yeah. Punching like that. Weird. Yeah, very strange. But uh, but he, he deserved it, Bill Algio. It was a good performance. One-sided performance. That was, a uh, again... A very much a 50-50 matchup. That could have gone either way. But I thought uh, Bill Algio was good. And then the other, I don't know if you can say highlight or low light or blue highlights, was Mateus Mendonca, the Brazilian teammate of uh, of Charles Oliveira. Turns up and it's like, right, this guy lost his debut, but he's back now. He's refreshed. Let's go. We're putting him in with Nate Maness. Let's see what he's all about. And he's a jujitsu guy like a lot of these Charles Oliveira team are. Little flyweight. Comes out and he's gone, right, Charles does the blonde hair. What am I going to do to stand out? What are the team going to do? I know. Let's all dye our hair Marge Simpson blue. Let's all do it. And the corner team are like, oh, for fuck's sake. Diego Lima's fuming, isn't he? He's fuming in the corner, man. They're like, well, fucking hell. We do, we do bond for Charles, don't we? But, you know, with all due respect, Charles is fucking main event. Charles is, you know, the fucking kid lost his debut. Now we've got to dye our hair blue. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, Mateus, we'll all dye our fucking hair blue. And they all come out and the dye's still running down the foreheads of them and everything. And you're like, oh, my God. Whatever you do, don't get beat now because your team look like right knobs. Everyone's got bright blue hair. Do not get beat now. And he gets in there and he tries to put on a jiu-jitsu show. He, try, he, he, he enters the fight like it's a jiu-jitsu tournament with no defense from punches whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. So he's trying to get an ankle lock going. A mess is just going, pop, pop, <laughs> punching him in the face. And he's like, I'll get this ankle lock in a minute. And it's like, fucking, boom, boom. And the other like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Move. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, he gets bloody knocked out. Very strange performance. Very strange indeed. But uh, I just feel for all the guys, on a, whether whether they've gone back to Brazil or whether they're going straight to Abu Dhabi or where Charles is or whatever. But, mate, there'll be a few bald heads telling you when we get to Abu Dhabi next week because 
That's one of them. As soon as you get back to the dressing room, pass me them clippers. Never mind, Charles said we're dying it blonde. Fuck that. Bzz, this is coming off. Yeah, man. Not great. The Marge Simpson blue. Jesus. Of all the colours. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. <clears throat> um, we'll be back later on this week to preview the upcoming uh, MMA action. Um, so make sure you come back and join us. You can subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. Everything's there for you. And we're on YouTube too. Fight Disciple on there where we would like you to subscribe, become part of the community and interact with us as well. So every time we knock a show out, uh, you can get in the comment section and have a little bit of a chinwag about various things uh, that we've uh, spoken about on the show. All right, we'll be back later on in the week. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.